Derek Redmond, folks, black guy, 400-meter sprinter from England. And in 1988, in, in the Olympic Games in, in, um, in Seoul, Korea, he was in the 400-meter final. And the gun goes up, pow, the athletes take off. Derek Redmond goes around that first turn, down that back straightaway. What happens to Derek? He tears his hamstring and, 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 and falls on the track. And, and, and they came and they got him off the track. They carried him off and, and, and he went back to England. And, and Derek healed his hamstring. It's a terrible injury. But he knew what it took, the, the pieces and the process to place himself in position to win a gold medal. And that was his dream. That was his goal. But at that time, athletes were making the move to training full time. That was their job, 100%. And in England at that time, the track program did not have enough money to allow their athletes just to train. The folks still had to work. Derek didn't have enough money, but his dad said, Son, here's what I'll do. I'll step up. There's a gentleman down the street. He has a warehouse. He's looking for a security officer. He's a friend of mine. I'll apply for the job. It's at night. Second job, stay up all night. I'm just watching the warehouse. I can do that. It's a couple of years. I'll be your teammate. I'll be, I'll be your team player. Derek said, Dad, you will not be sorry. You guys, for two years, Derek Redmond trained for the Olympic Games to make it to Barcelona, Spain in 1992. And for two years, Mr. Redmond worked two jobs. His day job, came home and ate, little nap, spent time with the family, and then worked that second job all night long. Well, Derek made the Great Britain team. Derek made it all the way to the Olympics in Barcelona in 92. He made the finals of the race. And, and, and they were out on the track, and these athletes are warming up and practicing their four-point stances out of the starting blocks. And the announcers were saying, ladies and gentlemen, this is phenomenal. For an athlete to come back from such a terrible injury and to be here again, he's in the final. If he wins a medal, we will be telling this story forever. Little did they know they would be, but not in the manner that they thought. The starter called the athletes to the starting blocks. They get down in their four-point stances. The gun goes up. There's a white puff of smoke. Pow. Athletes bolt out of those turns, out of those four-point stances, around that first turn. They're flying down that back straightaway. They're about to go into the dash for the cash. The last 200 is, is, is it in any race. It's the, two, the last 200 meters. And those athletes are banking into that turn, and they're positioning his stuff and getting ready for the last 100. And what happened? Derek Redmond tore the same hamstring in the same race four years later. And it just happened to be the Olympic final. And he pulls up lame. He's on his good leg. His bad leg, bad leg recoiled. And he burst into tears. And I'll bet you it was not because of physical pain. I bet it was because of how many people that he had let down. Tears are flowing. And he just stood there on that one leg. And, and the other athletes fly. Back straight, I mean, the, the 100 meters, they finished the race. They're looking for their respective flags. And all of us watching were thinking, my gosh, you know, it's the Olympics. It's, you risk it, not everybody wins a medal. You know, it's just collateral damage. Folks, Derek Redmond was determined to finish what he had started. You know what he did? He starts hopping down the track on one leg. You may have seen this story. And here's what I love, the story that's untold. You know what he did? He stayed in his lane. People, they call it adulthood when we realize the toughest competitor we will ever face is who? It's us. And I loved it. And he's hopping on his leg. And by the tens, the hundreds, the thousands, the guy that had just trained their whole lives for that moment was overplayed by what was going on, started clapping.
please finish this race for me. I need to see you do this. And they're cheering and the people are clapping and the announcer's saying this is phenomenal. Cheer him on, folks. Then there's a problem in the stands. And it looks like there's a fight going on. And, and people can't realize, they're looking at what's going on. There's this overweight black guy, about 15 rows up. And he's up on the seats, and it looks like he's pushing people out of the way. And the cameras are confused. They don't know what to pick up. Derek, or this man, <clears throat> this guy starts stepping on the seats, pushing people out of the way. He gets to the edge of the track. The officials run up to hold him back. And they acquiesce for some reason. And they help him over the guardrail. And he jumps down on the track, and he starts kind of jumbling towards Derek wearing a white t-shirt and blue shorts. And he gets on the track, and Derek hears somebody coming. And of course he's thinking, I, you know, it's an official coming to remove me. Please let me finish. Man, this has been my dream my whole life to cross this finish line. And as he's hopping, and he's crying, and he turns, and he looks over his shoulder, he sees who it is. It's his dad. And Derek immediately turned and fell into his arms. And his dad gets there and embraced him momentarily, spins him back around, puts his arm under his shoulder, and he helps him finish that race. And I'll never forget it, you guys, because on his shirt, it said, I am Derek Redmond's dad. <laughs> In that goofy Salvation Army fashion statement, you know, that dads tend to make. So, has your dad ever worn something? You're going, no, dad, no, 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 dad, no, 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 no. You can't wear the hat, sir. No, no, my friends are going to be there. You cannot. <laughs> I tell this story to remind all of us about teamwork and networking and partnerships and making sacrifices. It's so important, okay? Do we push the people away, okay, that tell us, you know, that, that, that we can do more? Do we surround ourselves with people that tell us the things that we want to hear? We have a choice in who those teammates are going to be. Teamwork, what is it? It's ego deflation. It's delayed immediate gratification. And anybody in a relationship knows this one, compromise. Vince Lombardi said what? It's a personal commitment to a group goal. And as every woman ever knows who has ever had a child, knows it's about showing up to a small group of people and saying, you know what, here is everything I have for the good of the group, literally. And I don't care who gets the credit. Teamwork. So, what is your excuse? No excuse. Booyah! <laughs> Folks, the bale of hay fell on top of me, caused paralysis, made my legs pretty skinny, you know, because I don't have any muscles, and I don't have a butt. I don't have a butt. I don't have any muscles. I mean, it's just a paralysis. It's not a recommended diet, okay? I say, if you want to get rid of your butt, you don't break your back, okay? But that's why I don't date girls in wheelchairs. Because, really, somebody ought to have a butt. Don't you think in a, in a, <laughs> in a relationship, somebody ought to have a butt? Don't you think? Candace, beautiful racer from Southern California. We were at this track meet, and I just thought, man, I'm going to ask her out. You know, I hadn't been hurt very long. I thought, well, we got the chairs and stuff, so how am I going to get close to her? And so I thought, well, I will go to the movies. You know, we'll transfer out of our wheelchairs. We're athletes. We can jump around, you know. And then I can kind of make my move, you know. And so I asked her. She said, I'd love to go to the movies with you, Randy. And I'm going, oh, great. So we go to the movies, and we transfer out of our chairs, and we move our chairs the way the movie begins. And, you know, I'm going to be cool, okay? I'm going to play it cool. 
it's me. You know, I'm going to be cool. So I'm watching the movie and stuff. And it's about, you know, a third of the way through. And I'm thinking, I need to make my move. You know, I better make my move. And she's just watching the movie. And it's about two-thirds of the way through. And I'm thinking, I've got to make my move. Hurry, hurry. So I did the old kind of, you know, I started stretching, you know, the guy thing. I'm going to stretch. And, you know, and... It's just random. I wasn't planned or anything. And I, right. And I was going to put my arm around her, okay? And in mid motion, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, she's got broad shoulders. She's a racer, okay? That, that might not work. So I went, option two, option two. What is option two? Hand down on her leg. So I'm watching the movie. I'm staring and I put my hand right down on her leg. And she didn't do a thing. I'm thinking, that's cold-blooded, you know. She won't even acknowledge. So I kind of squeezed her leg a little bit. She's still, she's just staring at the movie, didn't do anything. And I'm thinking, what is up here? So now I'm kind of nudging her a little bit, you know. And I'm, I'm like, hey, I'm down here. Okay, I'm here. And, and she still didn't do anything. And I'm thinking, you big dummy. She's got paralysis of her leg. She can't feel that. Gosh. And then I looked down there and my hand wasn't on her leg. It was on my leg. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to have a butt. In reality, though, no butts. Because people step in and they say, yeah, but I don't have any time. Or, yeah, but, man, it's inflation and the economy and uncertainty. Yeah, but, you know, this year they're asking more of me. And they're giving me a little bit less to do that. There are lots of yeah buts, and they're called circumstances. And I got a circumstance. Everybody's got a circumstance. And let me tell you something. We do not listen to the voice of circumstance. And here is why. All right? Last story, folks. Olympics, 1984. The Olympic Games. They made the announcement that for the first time, wheelchair athletes would be able to compete in the regular Olympic Games. Of course, everybody just quit what they were doing, all the racers, and we started training. A hundred miles a week, we were down in Houston. We found the coolest thing. There was a parking garage, and it had nine up ramps, okay, in this parking, nine floors. And there was an elevator right by the up ramps. And we thought, what a great way to practice our starts. So every Tuesday and Thursday, we'd show up at those parking garages, and all morning long, we'd push up, 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 take the elevator down, up, 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 in our racing chairs. The second day we were there, here came the garage parking, you know, parking garage attendant, and we're thinking, oh, man, the security officer, we're a big trouble they're not going to let us do it yes sir what's going on the parking garage attendant said what are you guys doing said sir we're trying to go to the olympic games we're practicing our starts you know a lot of resistance going up these ramps he said you guys got it all wrong what you need to do is you need to take the elevator up and then just ride down have a good time and Sir, we're trying to go to the Olympics. That's not the way you do that, you know. <laughs> got a path of most resistance, path of least resistance. You know, he's got it a little bit confused. A hundred miles a week, and I was lucky enough, I'd worked hard enough, only two Americans, and I made the top eight spots of the men's 1,500 meters. We're at the Olympics with Mary Lou Retton and Greg Luganis and, and, and Carl Lewis and Flo Joe, Flo Hyman. I mean, you know, it was just so awesome. Mary Decker, and, and, and we're there and in the cafeteria and meeting these folks. Stories in my books, uh, the book about me actually running over Mary Lou Redden's foot. I, it was, wasn't a good morning when I ran over her foot. She had to compete that day. I mean, can you imagine? Mary Lou Redden can't compete today. Some kind of wheelchair ran over her foot. She's out of the competition. <laughs> good to be lucky. Athlete's best friend. 
But, but in the morning, there we are, and they called us out onto the track. And there are 80,000 people in the stands. And this is a men's 1,500 meters. And I'm so excited. I trained for two years for this moment. Okay? I was ready. And even though I was a 400-meter person, I thought I could stay with those guys. If I could just stay with them, and then I could out-sprint them at the end, I could win a medal in the Olympics. I could win the gold. You know, that was my goal in the United States, in my own country. Well, they called us to the staggered start. Everybody's ready. Three Canadians, a guy from Belgium. Belgium. There was a, uh, an Australian and uh, a guy from Germany and two Americans. And we're all there and we're looking at each other. And we're so fortunate. The gun goes up. Pow, we take off. And the other American and I, he's from Seattle. We push out and stuff. And we're in the lead. And all of a sudden, around the first turn, they went by us, folks, like an 18-wheeler. Those guys had trained and, and, and started drafting. And they were gone. And, you know, they say sometimes you just got to hang in there long enough for the miracle. You know, and I, I hit my hand rims and I'm surging. And I got into the, the, the second of the last place and I'm drafting and stuff and in racing man you're bumping people and you're touching you're going 17 18 20 21 miles an hour and in the turns and you're looking around well with 600 meters to go I'm in fourth place and I'm, I'm ready you know and, and here I go and I'm hitting my hand rims and there's an Australian and a Canadian and then the Belgian and the Belgian's in first place and we're hitting the rings and people are starting to cheer it's almost time for the sprint you know four or five six hundred meters to go we're hitting like this and I look up and the, the Canadian and the Australian their chairs bumped into each other and they almost had a crash and, and it was before I had this little tummy okay and I, I used to be able to nose my chair out and I, and, I, and I used my body and I jumped out to lane three to avoid this crash and there it was my opportunity because they had slowed and it was a Belgian in front of me. And we got, we, we got 500 meters to go. And the champion voice, I, I can hear it now. It went off and it said, do it. Go for it. Hit your hand rims. Catch the Belgian. He's been worn out. You can outdraft him at the end and, and sprint to the finish and win the gold medal. And I start hitting my hand rims and I start surging. And then the other voice that's inside every person went off inside of me. And it said, wait a minute. Play it safe. What if you exhaust yourself? What if you don't win a medal? What if you don't perform? What if? And you know what I did, you guys? I listened to that voice. And I pulled back my chair. And I pulled back into that crowd of athletes. And I worked my way in. And we just were like this mob. And we kind of slowed. We worked around. And we were behind the Belgian. 500, 400, 300, 200 meters to go. I move out to lane two, lane three. And I used my hand speed, and I outsprinted everybody there except the Belgian. And I won a silver medal in the Olympic Games. I am so excited. I crossed the line like this. I was so excited, I went and told the gold medalist, I won the silver medal. <laughs> Trust me, the gold medalist does not care who won the silver medal, okay? <laughs> like, whatever, dude, you know, great. I mean, that's... But I'm so excited, and we're on the medal stand. This is the Olympics now. Carl Lewis said, way to go, as we were on the way to the medal stand, because they had the four-by-one right after that. And, they're, and, they're, and we're all there, and, and, and the Belgians had just won, and the Canadian could come in third, and they gave us the flowers, and they put the medal around our necks. And, you know, you feel the medal, and then you can, you, you, it's just the greatest moment. And then, and then the flags start going up, and I'm thinking, the American flag, folks, in Los Angeles, that's my flag. I did that. And, and, and it's just this greatest moment. And, and as the flags are going up, I hear something. And then I go, wait, that's music. And I go, what is that? I realized it was the Belgian National Anthem. Have you guys ever heard the Belgian National Anthem? Does anybody have a recording of the Belgian National Anthem in your MP3, your music library? Trust me, with all due respect, it's not a top ten tune, okay? 
right in my heart. I just felt it, you know. I had missed an opportunity. And probably was one of my greatest sports moments. It became a regret. To this day, I will never know what I could have done if I had not gone after If I would only gone after him. If I would have gone, I'll never know. Folks... What's the message for all of us? It's not that we don't have any regrets. Everybody in here, I'm sure, has things they wish they could delete, erase, wash away. We all have regrets. That's not the point. But it starts right now. We start our life over every moment. Every moment it begins new. Oprah Winfrey said it's never too late to be the person you were supposed to be. And so that's my encouragement to all of you guys. All right? You know, there is nothing wrong with a silver medal life. If behind it, you have a gold medal effort and no dream ever died because of circumstances. Dreams die because of lack of effort. So what is your excuse? No excuse. Booyah!